Josh, I'm kind of surprised that you made the time to record today. Shouldn't you be getting ready for a trip? I'm super dedicated to this podcast and our listeners, but yes, I should be preparing for my trip probably. Yeah. Where are you headed? So I'm going to be spending, it's going to be miserable, uh, two weeks in Italy. Oh, poor you. Yeah. I'm not, not sure what I'm going to do with myself. Have you got all your arrangements made? Like, do you know if you've got like hotels all set up or what's, what's the plan? Well, I have flights booked. That's the, that's the, the, yeah, that's the end of that <laughs> sentence. No, I'm not sure if I'm going to be going with uh, hotels or I usually do Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Airbnb has definitely been growing in popularity compared to hotels, but I don't know with the testimonials from people who've stayed there, I still kind of get a mixed bag of actual experiences. So do you trust Airbnb? I do. I trust it more than I trust, say, ratings on like hotel.com. It just seems so corporate to me. And I think there's like, I don't know how many of them are fake or the company just, you know, going in and adding ratings or adding reviews, kind of like Amazon. I think that the Airbnb to me uh, just seems a bit more authentic. I do. I do trust it a bit more. Hmm. I guess we are seeing a lot of personalized reviews that are coming out of things through the rating systems that Airbnb has, through Yelp, through a lot of other like citizen reviews, as opposed to more formal reviews or anonymous reviews. It's definitely a different landscape out there now. Yeah, I think Yelp is a good example. It's been relatively accurate for me or Uber, although I don't think I've ever given a bad review to an Uber driver. Have you? No, not to an Uber driver, but with Yelp, the only reviews I was giving on Yelp were negative. I couldn't be bothered to go and review anything positively because it's whatever. It's just a business or what have you. So if there was notable, horrible service or something, I would go to Yelp. But with Uber, it prompts you as soon as the ride's been taken, there's a person's face right there. You kind of met them and had just like a human connection with another person in the same vehicle. Mm. So it feels like obligatory to, to review people on Uber. Mm. Yeah. Airbnb probably to a certain extent too, even though you might not meet them in person, you probably communicate with them somehow just to coordinate, check in, check out stuff like that. And I don't know, I've always had really good experiences with the hosts. I guess I'm lucky. I know I've heard some people don't, but uh, that definitely leads me to leave a rating for them. Whereas I might not otherwise. And there's also something to the system with Airbnb in particular, but other sharing economy based systems where we're being rated too. like, don't throw up in a car if you're in an Uber (laughs) because that's going to destroy your star rating. I have a five star rating as an Uber passenger, and it's going to destroy me. If I ever lose that, I think I'm I'm so nice. I'm so polite. I talk just the right amount about just the right subjects. I don't bring up any of the controversial things that we talk about here. Mm-hmm. I'm a five star guest. Do you leave the car cleaner than you found it? Yeah, I bring in little wet naps and help them wipe the dashboard off and everything. You sound like a perfect gentleman, which is, you know, I know you in this context, so it's a little surprising, but. <laughs> wow, thanks. <laughs> seems like we're perhaps two different people in our private lives and then the type of people we are when we're in an Uber, for instance. Do you see yourself changing your behavior when you go to an Airbnb? First of all, I'm a little bit hurt that you think I'm apparently like a four-star person in my private life. But (laughs) I don't know, maybe I'm extra polite. I'll say this. I'm definitely more polite in terms of my cleaning habits and how I treat a room in an Airbnb versus a hotel. I'd like to think that's because I know that a person owns an Airbnb and this company owns a hotel. So say I'm on a ski trip. How much do I worry about taking off my boots when I get back from the ski trip? How much do I worry about <coughs> stealing a towel <coughs> you know, in an Airbnb versus a hotel? So I think I, I'm a better guest in the Airbnb. I'm not sure if it's because of the rating. What about you? 
I also feel that sense of obligation to treat a person's residence with a different level of respect than just some hotel. The last major Airbnb experience I had was going to New York and I more or less cleaned the place before I left. I had a full morning where nothing was planned and I felt very, I don't know, an internal pressure, I guess, to just completely leave it spick and span. And she even noted in her review of me how clean I left the place. Are you also a five-star Uber and Airbnb guest? I believe so. I also don't use either of those services quite enough to, I think, have that really matter. But I guess it's because I use it so infrequently that my rating is actually pretty tenuous. Mm. One slip up and I might be done for. Mm. You know what this uh, talk about five stars makes me think of? Hmm. What's that? (laughs) This is going to be super smooth. It makes me think of our listeners who can rate us five stars on both Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then I can be not just five-star Uber and five-star Airbnb, but also five-star podcaster. That's like the most important rating. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I would trade the other two for a good um, podcast rating. As we're seeing more and more places where ratings exist, we've gone from Yelp and Amazon to these more personalized reviews with Uber and whatnot. It seems like we might be on the precipice of people themselves being rated, not just like business interactions. Yeah, I definitely, if I were to see somebody and I knew that they had a two-star rating on Airbnb, it would kind of make me wonder what they did to deserve it. What happens if you then see a person who just has a two-star rating as a person? Yeah, what did they do? I would definitely judge them in that case. I think my initial view of a person If I knew they'd been rated that badly by other people, there has to be something going on there. It would certainly make me a little bit cautious. Seems like science fiction, perhaps, that this could ever be a possibility. I definitely would worry if we got to a point where we're rating people as people, like I probably just wouldn't leave the house very much anymore. Well, you would probably be okay leaving the house, but you would not be okay going to China. Smooth segue. Because China has actually implemented a system like this. It's called the social credit system. And it is basically exactly what you're talking about. A personal rating system that tells you the quality of an individual just overall. To what end? What is the purpose of this? Well, this was actually started in 2014 by the Communist Party in China. And they've said that it's an important component part of the socialist market economy system and the social governance system. And they have billed this as a way to reinforce the idea that keeping trust is glorious and breaking trust is disgraceful. So I suppose that's the end to which this has been implemented. I kind of agree with trust being a pretty important value, but Formally rating people to establish that trust seems pretty weird and a little dystopian. Kelly, trust is not valuable. Keeping trust is glorious. Oh, okay. I, I apologize. I apologize. So if you if you get these ratings that maybe adversely indicate your value as a person, are you locked in? Are you forever a four-star, three-star Uber passenger if people downvote you? So basically, this social credit system in China works like a normal credit score in the United States, right? Your FICO score and certain actions that you take can shift it up or they can shift it down. And then based on that rating, you get a designation of anything from AAA. I am currently a AAA Uber passenger down to, I think, a C or I think it goes as low as a D rating. but. We don't talk about those people. I can't believe they're using a letter score and haven't included an F. Can you imagine being an F in this system? By the time the Communist Party thinks that you're an F-rated individual, they've just thrown you in jail a long time ago. Well, what sort of things are taken into account for this type of system? Apparently, there are hundreds, if not thousands of factors that can affect your social credit score. These are things like bad driving, smoking and non-smoking zones, buying too many video games, buying too many video games. I'd be in trouble here. 
posting fake news online. So some things that are honestly pretty commonplace, at least in the United States, I think we'd have a lot of downgraded citizens if we were to implement a system like this. It seems like this system might be tailor-made for us to slip up a little bit in. If you were living in China, what would be the things that perhaps got you in the most trouble? Oh, man. Well, I am an excellent driver. I don't smoke. And I don't typically post online. Although when I do, it it can be a little bit trolly. So, you know, maybe I'll lose a couple points there. I definitely think the uh, buying too many or playing video games for too long, which is another thing that you can get docked for. I definitely think I would lose some points for those. Mm, I'd probably lose a ton of points for this podcast, just to be honest, if it was happening in China. We have had a couple episodes where the party might not be huge fans of ours. <laughs> yeah, I think that puts us both in danger. <laughs> yeah, but besides you, uh, you know, sinking in the ship with me, what, what do you think would be your major hits? Well, I don't know what all the categories are, but I can take a stab at some of my worst habits and see <laughs> how how well they would work in my favor or not. I spend a lot of money on nail polish. Ooh, that's actually a big knock. Wasting money on frivolous purchases loses you points in the system. It's not frivolous to me. <laughs> all right. Well, tell that to Chairman Mao. Um, I don't like to get out of bed especially on weekends when I have nothing scheduled, I will just never get up if I don't have to. I don't know about that one. It does seem like something they wouldn't like. If playing too many video games is a knock, I wonder if they watch you to make sure you get out and get your exercise every day. What if I am playing video games from the bed I never get out of? Oof, D rating. I'm just a degenerate. <laughs> I can, I'm imagining all of these like 40-year-old Chinese people with their blankets over their head, playing video games like we did, hiding from our parents when we were 12. I'm just hiding from my cats when I do it. <laughs> I just want to play Candy Crush. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, no kidding. Okay, so we're both like not the best people, it seems, based on this system. If we already get rated and we did not have very good scores as a result, what would that actually mean when it comes to how we engage with society? This, I think, is interesting because the punishments are actually a lot of times very targeted to the, quote, offense. For example, if you're a bad driver or you don't pay your bills on time, China has already started punishing people by restricting their travel, including banning them from flights. The authorities have actually banned people from purchasing flights 17.5 million times. This was by the end of 2018, so four years ago. If I go to China, are they are they going to take away my nail polish? Well, they might stop you from buying it. And speaking of nail polish, they actually also clamp down on luxury options. So maybe they'll let you get a plane ticket or a train ticket, but you might be barred from getting business class train tickets, or you might be kept out of some of the nicest hotels. So I'm stuck only buying drugstore nail polish. <laughs> Essentially, if that's if that's your crime, the punishment has to fit the crime. Similarly, <laughs> if you're caught playing too many video games or buying too many video games, they can actually throttle your internet speeds. That sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. That one would get me for sure. Um, <laughs> for real. Another example is there were 17 people who in 2017 refused to carry out military service. Apparently, that's another thing you can get docked for. And because of that, they were barred from enrolling in higher education or applying for better high schools or continuing their studies. So the government there actually prioritizes schooling and the quality of the schools you're allowed to attend based on your social credit score, which, which theoretically has a, a pretty big impact on the rest of your life. That seems like it might be counterproductive. You know, if people are not contributing to society and then they don't have options to better themselves via education, that probably will create some sort of residual impacts on productivity in the economy. I can see where you're coming from, but if we're being fair here, if we're focusing on education in particular, I'm actually not sure how that necessarily differs from the system that we have here in the United States. Uh, so on a couple of reasons. One, if you can afford tutoring, if you can afford private schools, if you can afford test prep, you're more likely to get into college, which is then going to help you succeed, even though you're somebody that already has financial advantages. 
uh, when you apply for colleges, they want you to put community service or volunteer work on your resume, which is really a kind of social credit system. So I, in this case, it seems dystopian, like you said earlier, but in this particular case, I'm not actually sure how much it differs from systems that we have here in the United States. I guess I can see that. Is that kind of the extent of it? You know, future career options and internet service being throttled and I can't buy nice nail polish? All right. Well, where it differs from the United States and where I have to draw the line, one of the other punishments that they implement is you can actually get your pets taken away. What? The Eastern Chinese city of Jinan started enforcing a social credit system for dog owners in 2017, where the pet owners get points deducted if the dog is walked without a leash, causes public disturbances, they don't pick up the dog's poop, and if they lose all of their points in the social credit system, the owners, they can actually have their dog confiscated and be forced to take tests on regulations required for pet ownership. That sounds pretty horrible. And it also sounds like it might be a punishment for the dog as well. Or the punishment for the dog is being with a shitty owner. This is actually true. I had a dog and took it to the dog park. And it was in the small dog part of the dog park. Very important. And this owner comes in with a hundred pound German shepherd and was like decided on my behalf that our dogs were going to be friends. And their German shepherd into the small dog area, just for context for any of our listeners, 100 pounds is not a small dog, uh, decides to run up and bite my dog. And ever since then, I literally from that point on was not able to take my dog to the park anymore because she freaked out, just got really bad anxiety, got really aggressive about it. And so as a good owner, I didn't take my dog to the dog park anymore because she would have been causing public disturbances. She It would just be bad for the other dogs. Honestly, if that guy had his dog taken away from him, I wouldn't feel bad. I'd feel a little bad if the dog wound up in the doggy foster system. Hopefully the system implements a rehoming process where those dogs wind up with people who are responsible and care for them properly. And pick up their poop. Yeah. On the inverse of this issue, if people are actually good and do the actual responsible thing, pick up the dog poop and actually dispose of it, make responsible purchases, are productive members of society, is there a benefit to doing that or is it just getting you back to neutral? The system does work, again, like a FICO score. So what happens is you start off, at least in a couple of Chinese cities where they implement this policy, you start off with, say, a thousand points. And there are specific point penalties for some of the actions that we just talked about. And as your number drops, you lose different privileges, as we've discussed. But there are things that you can do to gain points also to reach that A, AA, AAA rating. And when you have these higher ratings, you get benefits. So for example, people with good scores can speed up travel applications to places like Europe. You could book a hotel without having to pay for a cash deposit because they know you're not going to trash the room. Baihe, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is actually China's biggest dating site. So I suppose the Tinder of China boosts the profiles of good citizens. So they want good people meeting good people. So they'll help you match with your the love of your life if you have a triple A rating in this social credit system. I could see the utility of that. I'm remembering back to our dating in the modern world episode, specifically how difficult it is to kind of get a good idea of someone's character on um, something as ephemeral as a dating app. Mm-hmm. As extreme as this might be, I can see some benefits of rewarding people for good behavior and punishing people for bad behavior. My main objection, I don't think, has to do with whether or not people should be evaluated for their behavior. I think it is based on who's deciding what is and isn't good behavior that I have the biggest frustration with this because I don't really think there's a big problem with playing a lot of video games. So who's deciding that? Mm. Well, obviously, the Communist Party in China, the Chinese government is deciding it. And they're doing this with over 200 million cameras throughout the areas where these systems are implemented. 200 million. 
that's like a camera for every seven people in China and facial recognition software. So that part seems very sci-fi, very draconian, very totalitarian. And you do make a good point because a lot of the things that are quote unquote wrong are simply anti-party activity. So maybe you said something bad about the Communist Party, that's going to get you docked major points. This sounds like a weird modern panopticon, but it also sounds like a really good time to get into the surveillance camera business. <laughs> right, right. Uh, especially if you've got good social credit, <laughs> you'll get a good, a good price on those surveillance cameras. But it sort of doubles down on the idea of the Chinese government as authoritarian and limitations for things like free speech. Now, that free speech, let's say it's not so bad to where you might be jailed for it, but any little thing that you might say, or for example, a gathering of four or five people that might look suspicious can lose you points, and your life will be affected by the smallest things. You don't have to be a full-blown seditionist. I think that's a word, or did I make that one up again? It's another one to add to your lexicon. (laughs) So you don't have to be a full-blown seditionist and go to jail to be punished. Now, literally, us producing the podcast, for example, would for sure lose us some points. We won't be able to go to a good school. We'd lose all credibility. Our podcast ratings would go down. It's just it's just down the toilet. Horrible, horrible cycle. On these social interaction metrics that are kind of arbitrary and support the party, I can see why that might be included in a rating system rather than a formal law with formal punishments. But some of the other things that you've talked about like not paying bills on time and driving poorly, shouldn't there be laws that deal with those infractions rather than a social credit system? Well, let's say, for example, the dating apps. If you've treated people poorly in the past, it's not a crime. Maybe you were 45 minutes late to a date. Maybe you were just rude. You insulted how the person looks. None of these things are criminal activity, but as somebody who's about to have an interaction with you, I would kind of like to know that ahead of time. Insulting me should be a crime. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. I don't know. This is, it seems overly complicated and includes way too many things, way too many categories. A lot of this might stem from just the priorities of their society versus ours. So in the United States, we have a very individualistic society that prioritizes our rights, our freedoms. And, you know, those sound like great buzzwords, at least if you're in the United States, but that does come to a certain detriment. You have the right and freedom to be an asshole to people. You have the right and freedom to say horrible things. And we value that here, but there's certainly drawbacks to it. In different countries that are less individualistic and more community-driven, more collectivist, the priority is less on each individual person's rights and more on the well-being of the community as a whole. So I think if if that's the mindset that you approach this issue with of my job here is to help promote the health of the community first and then I can operate within that, none of this seems like such a bad idea anymore. In China they have a phrase of the harmonious society And that's one of the basic stated goals of the Communist Party. Their goal is to create a harmonious society. And I actually see these social credit systems as working very directly towards that goal. I can understand the utility of our harmonious society. And I do think that it is better when everybody gets along well, but when it's forced upon people to behave a certain way in order to create that harmony, that seems like it's a fragile harmony that could easily falter if there's any strife or dispute about what it means to be a good person. I prefer a harmonious society that came to its harmony more naturally. All right. Well, if you can give me an example of where that's happening, then I'll defend your side of this topic. But Uh, At least if we're contrasting the United States that doesn't have a social credit system to China that does, I don't think that you can say that the United States is moving in any direction, not saying that China is, but you definitely can't say the United States is moving towards a more harmonious society where people look out for each other and do the right thing because they're supposed to. God, no, the United States is not that kind of society either. I just don't think forcing it would make it any better. 
Well, I guess here's here's my question at the it's not the end of the episode, but I suppose at the end of the episode, I'll probably still have the same question is if you don't do anything wrong, why do you care about the system? For the same reason that I worry about the Patriot Act, even though I don't engage in any seditious activities. Uh, That's a good example. But again, I think that that goes back to individual rights. You're prioritizing your individual right to privacy over the communal public safety of everybody around you. Not saying you're necessarily wrong, but I can see both mindsets having validity here. I don't just value my own rights. I value everybody else's rights too. And the right to be an individual and act in accordance to your own conscience is pretty important. Well, maybe they should just not be terrorists. Maybe they shouldn't make frivolous purchases all the time. Like nail polish? It's not frivolous to me. (laughs) Well, if it's frivolous to the Communist Party, let me tell you another way that I can gain points and raise my credit score. What's that? If I actually report other people for carrying out actions that are bad for harmonious society, I can actually be rewarded with points. No one likes a narc, Josh. (laughs) Well, apparently the government does and the social credit system does because I'm going to get my AAA rating narking on all of you. I don't like this. This is one case where I guess uh, snitches don't get stitches. No, they get a great credit rating and get to fly first class whenever they want to, apparently. And priority access to hospitals and medical care. Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. I don't really like that. (laughs) Yeah, Some of these, as much as I've been defending them, some of these do seem a bit intense, a bit authoritarian. So one of my main objections about this seems to be that there are arbitrary standards set by the government and then, I guess, arbitrary punishments set out by the government, too. What if we engage in a rating system that doesn't involve the government whatsoever? What if we're just rating each other on our own personal idea of what it means to be a good or bad person? Mm. So instead of me having to narc you out to the government and have them affect your social credit score, I could just upvote you or downvote you myself? Downvoting and upvoting is an option. There's also rating systems like you would use for Uber. Maybe we could create an app that could help us to evaluate each other. Everybody's got a phone. Let's put an app on it. So like Yelp for people? Yeah, I think that would be very easy to have, you know, a pocket rating system for everybody you had a social interaction with. Why don't we call it Meow Meow Beans? Well, we can't call it that because that already existed, at least as a concept in an episode of Community. Bane's disbelief. <laughs> if you don't remember the episode, there is a an app that is being beta tested at Greendale Community College. And people rate each other between one and five, which devolves into this weird dystopian Mad Max type of hierarchy in which all of the people with five-star ratings are making the people with like two and three-star ratings subservient to them. Mm, Very much like a caste system. Also, if you haven't watched Community, y'all should watch Community right after listening to our podcast, which you've now rated five stars. If you watch Community, I will rate you five stars. (laughs) On Meow Meow Beans? (laughs) Or whatever app we create. Obviously, there is a little bit of chaos that happened in the show itself, but rating people as people interacting with each other, it seems a little more organic than having a government set those terms. That's true. And I think this episode obviously takes it a bit extreme and results in this tiered system or caste system where the fives and fours are literally ruling over the twos and threes. But despite the hyperbole, I do think it's an interesting take on how an app like this might play out in the real world. Well, do you think that's actually realistic? Could this happen in in the world where we would find people getting one-star ratings and have to expel them from society? All right. Well, if this is implemented in schools, especially if we do, you know, I'm not sure how young this app could be used, but if we do middle school, high school, but let's be real, even through our workforces as like 40-year-olds, there is definitely this informal popularity contest that's constantly happening. And I think if you were to ask people around work what rating they would give their coworkers, there's already a sense, whether there's an app or not, there's already a sense of who's the five stars, who's the two stars, and and who's kicked out. 
the one stars. True, but other people can hold different opinions. Some people find me actually quite pleasant and some people do not. I don't want to be categorically deemed an unpleasant person because a few people got to voting before the people who liked me started working with me. I think you're a pleasant person, Kelly. You don't have to lie to me, Josh. I'd give you a great rating of three stars. Oh, okay. The truth comes out. (laughs) But this, this does kind of already exist informally. People base additional optional social interactions in school and at work on their own metrics of whether or not they like that person. Neutral would be just get along at work, don't necessarily chit chat about anything. Negative would be perhaps go out of your way to avoid working on projects with people. Positive would be maybe going to happy hour after work. It already has some sort of a tiered system without having to be in an app. And if we really delve into this for a second, it goes beyond just those social interactions. It's pretty widely known that individuals who are liked more are more likely to receive also raises or promotions. So similar to this Chinese social credit system and the impact it can have on your financial well-being, I think that whether it's an app or just informal popularity contest, how much people like you and what their rating of you would be does affect the quality of your life or the quality of your employment. That does bear out. But there are things outside of people's control that determine whether or not they're likable. I'm sure you're familiar with resting bitch face. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I have one of those. Well, me too. This is why this is a podcast and not a YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, we are bad on film. But people see my nonverbals as being aggressive or unpleasant when I think I'm portraying a neutral face. And I can't really control that very well unless I sit there and constantly think, smile, 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 when I'm trying to listen to other people at work. Maybe this is where your idea that these rating systems would be better if it wasn't the government, but rather if it was all of us doing the rating, maybe this is where that concept breaks down. Because we as a collective are really bad about making group decisions. We have all sorts of psychological tendencies that I think would undermine the quality of a system like this. Mob mentality is one example that comes to mind. That raises an additional question. What happens to the people who don't opt into the system? In the community episode, Britta doesn't, and no one takes her seriously. She doesn't go with the flow of engaging in this app, and she's disregarded and basically cast out even though she's not really rated on the same level as everybody else. I actually can't see any system like this being implemented and people successfully opting out of it. If it's implemented by the government, obviously we don't have a choice. If it's implemented by all of us, you can tell everybody that you don't want to be involved. But if we all give you a rating, whether you like that rating or not, or whether you want to be part of the system or not, we all know what you are. We know you're a one star, a two star, what have you. And if we treat you accordingly, how realistically can you opt out of something like this? I guess it would have to do with what the actual consequences are of whatever the ratings might be. We have our informal systems. We have our neutral, positive, negative regard for people in our work environment, school environment, and the the subsequent results of that inform how we treat them moving forward. But if we actually implement this, if you go back to the community episode, they were wearing specific clothing to demonstrate what level they were at. And there was a high degree of pressure to vote like everybody else in your group was voting as well. What might happen if something like this was formalized? That's a good example of mob mentality, like I was talking about earlier. And I definitely think that that's the direction that a system like this would take if it were to be put into place. Despite there being some real-world examples of this sort of phenomenon happening when we talked about China, it doesn't seem like this specific thing, Meow Meow Beans in particular, is actually going to come to fruition. That's what's neat about these TV shows, though, is they can imagine a world sort of free from the restrictions of the technology that we currently have. 
I wonder if China was capable or other countries that might want to implement a system like this were capable of doing it technologically, would they put into place more advanced systems like Miao Miao Beans, very technologically advanced? Or there's another episode that this concept brings to mind, and that's an episode of Black Mirror called Nosedive. And similarly, it's based on this idea of a social credit system. But in this system, you can actually see the scores of everybody else around you. So unlike in China, where it's the government and maybe businesses that know your score, in this particular episode of Black Mirror, everybody knows what your rating is. Part of the Black Mirror episode that does tie in so neatly with what China has done is that the main character in this episode, Lacey, is trying to get a better score so she can get a discount on housing. So it sounds like Science fiction is starting to become a little less fiction. Mm -hmm. In this episode, there seems to be an oppressive focus on keeping a high score or trying to attain a better score to the point where it seems to be the only thing that people really think about and affects all of their performance, the way that they interact with each other, the need for approval, the feigning a certain demeanor with people in order to get a higher rating is at the forefront of everybody's thoughts through the entire process. One technological difference in this show in terms of how this system is implemented is everybody on their phones is able to rate basically every interaction that they have with somebody else immediately and the scores change in real time. And that to me adds a a whole new element of this, that instant either gratification or punishment Knowing how somebody reacted to every little thing that you do, certainly, like you said, puts just a constant oppressive pressure on you to always try to impress people or make people happy or make people like you. We know how you, how well that usually works out. In this case, Lacey has some unfortunate circumstances come come about when she's trying to get to a friend's wedding and she gets progressively worse and worse readings to the point where she can completely loses her mind and gives an unhinged speech at the wedding while covered in mud and eventually gets seized by law enforcement. And without any rating at all anymore, she's got complete freedom to say whatever she wants because it's now free of consequence, which reminds me of Tyler Durden. (laughs) It's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. Yeah. A couple of themes going through this episode, one of which is going to take us a bit off topic. So I'll just kind of mention it. We don't have to really talk about it. But a lot of theories just in terms of material wealth and the idea that the people who have the least are the happiest. And the more you have, the higher your rating in this case, the more you worry about it. And even if you're sitting on that 4.7, 4.8 rating, that becomes your whole life and consumes you so completely that you're not actually able to enjoy the important things, just like money does the same. And so Lacey, when she has a zero rating, all of a sudden realizes that now I can do or say anything I want uh, in a similar fashion, I think, is the comment that this episode's trying to make about capitalism and just money. Uh, once you've lost all of your money, you're no longer held hostage by it. I'd still rather have some money. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, I would probably like to have a little bit of money. But I think that there is something to the idea of no longer caring too much about what other people think of you. If it's not in a professional context or in any way that actually results in a material advantage for me, if it's just being out in public and I don't care about any of these other people, I don't care what they think about me either. And that's very liberating. Hmm. As much as we're using China as our real world example of these more science fiction scenarios, In this particular episode, there's a lot of reference to social media, which is certainly something that happens in the real world. Posting on Instagram or posting on Facebook slash meta slash whatever it is, it's dying. We'll stick with Instagram. Posting on Instagram or TikTok, according to Kelly, that's what the cool kids use now. There are people who literally define their self-worth by how many likes they get on these social media sites in very much the same way as Lacey in this episode. Can I confess something a little embarrassing? Of course. I'm not editing it out, though. I view myself as being perhaps a little bit funny. 
And I typically don't post too much on Facebook, but most of what I post has some sort of a humorous element to it, in my opinion. If I don't get at least five likes on it within the first day it's up, I delete the post. Mm. So to a certain extent, you're valuing yourself based on other people's reactions to you, other people's ratings of what you put out. Yeah, but it's about whether or not I'm funny. I think you're funny. Thank you. Three star funny. Gosh, you are just, (laughs) you're going to get a really poor rating from me if we ever implement these systems. So talking about Instagram still, and going back to the concept of people being rewarded for high ratings, there are people out there that make a living, influencers, they call themselves, that make a living just being popular. So as much as we are saying that these systems seem draconian, science fiction-y, made up word, or just unrealistic, I think a lot of this is happening and we're just in the fishbowl and don't realize it. I suppose that's true. But unlike what we've talked about when it came to Mew Mew Beans, we really don't have to participate in this system yet when it comes to Instagram and getting self-worth from being liked to that degree on social media. My five Facebook likes, it's pretty inconsequential. I'm not like Kim Kardashian. I don't live and die by whether or not my Instagram post is successful. Well, A lot of this discussion has been focused around what happens if you're punished with low ratings, but at the same time, whether you're involved in the system or not, there's people out there that are being rewarded for high ratings. Is that the kind of society that we want to live in where somebody can just be popular and make millions of dollars off of it, become a cultural icon, whether you want to or not, whether you opt in or not, you're living in that world. Is that a good thing or are we just being haters? You can still choose not to participate in that as well. The fact that Kim Kardashian, or I'm going to throw names at you, you probably don't know, Emma Chamberlain. Mm -mm. No. Okay. People who are just famous for being famous. We can also choose not to interact with them as consumers as well. There are people who derive entertainment value from seeing them on YouTube or watching their reality shows, and they get the fame, they get the ratings, everybody's happy about this. And then there's people who just don't watch any of it whatsoever. We don't like the posts, we don't watch the shows, we don't buy the products they advertise. We can still opt out. All right, but let's say if there's a Kim Kardashian in the woods and she makes a million dollars, but nobody's around to hear it, she still makes the million dollars. Are we happy with that or not? It's not my money. So we're okay with it. Right now, when we still have the ability to disengage from it, yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm. I'm not sure that everybody is capable of opting out, though. When they see that system, that infrastructure being in place, the vast majority of people are going to want to be part of it. Of course, there's going to be a couple people here and there that don't know who Kim Kardashian is, good for them, that don't care about Instagram, don't care what their ratings are. But there's other people out there that, see that, want to be that so badly, they get this just relentless need to be liked. And for a lot of people, that's going to backfire on them. Do you think that they are victims of the system? And by virtue of the fact that people at the top of the system exist, by definition, people at the bottom are going to suffer. I think that bears out in the Black Mirror episode. Lacey wants so badly to up her rating that her desperation is palpable and actually off-putting to a lot of people. I know I've personally been in situations where I've tried to become a more likable person and it definitely did not work in my favor. You can't make yourself into the kind of person that is well-liked, generally speaking, if you're just not that kind of person in the first place. I'm an acquired taste. I get it. I don't need to be universally liked. But if the system is dependent on that, if you start to have a social credit system where it really is reliant on whether or not you are liked as a person and you're just kind of not universally everybody's cup of tea and you try so hard to become that, you're inauthentic to yourself. And people, I think, can sense the effort and dislike it greatly. Right. If our best example of this that we have in the real world is something like Instagram, the just curated and fake nature of it is palpable. And I think that the people that don't engage with it, that's probably one of the number one reasons alongside maybe addiction to social media and dopamine. 
You're bringing up Instagram is actually pretty apt considering there is that element within the episode of Black Mirror in which Lacey posts a picture of like a childhood toy. And we're seeing people right now using Instagram and other social media and putting their children into the forefront as a means of getting likes as well. And they can't consent to this. If that becomes even more formalized through a system in which everybody has to be rated by one another, I can see that there might be a lot of people who fabricate what their realities are and bring children into these settings without much regard for their emotional well-being to a greater degree than it's already happening. Mm -hmm. Again, making it harder and harder to opt out. And that's a system where everything's happening person to person, like we talked about. You're rating me, I'm rating you based on social interactions. What if we take this to the extreme, though? What if a country like China were to have the technology to implement systems like this on a widespread level, that instant gratification, that instant punishment, that mass judgment? And literally now we have a place where the government is run based on these ratings, society is run based on these ratings, the economy, the judicial system is run based on these ratings. That reminds me of another episode of TV that really plays with that thought experiment. I think that if we were in China, we would definitely be dinged on the amount of Netflix that we watch. The episode I'm thinking of is called Majority Rule from a show called The Orville, which I only recently started watching. And it's kind of a an homage to Star Trek and the glory days of science fiction. This is the episode where one of the crew members from The Orville I might accidentally call it the Enterprise because total bite off on the show. But anyway, uh, one of the members of the Orville lands on this planet, is joking around and climbs up on a statue and ends up, uh, the best way to describe it is grinding on this statue, uh, dancing to give him a bit of credit. Mm -hmm. And this statue was actually a leader, a heroine of the society, uh, an advocate for women's rights. And this lands him in a whole bunch of trouble, and he's put on trial for basically public indecency and just denigration and lack of respect to this cultural icon. And the only way he's actually brought in for quote-unquote justice is because he receives a substantial amount of downvotes after a video of his uh, dance is released. He goes from 500,000 downvotes to a million downvotes, which prompts a process where he needs to go on an apology tour and see if he can scrape together enough favorability to avoid a final punishment. This sounds a lot like the questions you were asking earlier when we were talking about China's system of, well, if something's bad, why not just turn it into a law? That's literally, in this conceptualization of social credit systems, how they do things. If you commit an act that receives a certain number of downvotes, it is now considered a crime and you get put on trial for it. And in exploring this process, the members of the Orville crew learned that, that is not the only way in which voting has an impact. The society on this planet is a pure democracy, meaning every single idea, law, proposal, the way that people dress themselves, I'm assuming, everything that could have a an element of public consensus is voted on. There's no representative government. Everything is subject to the whims of the populace. So we don't have a pure democracy in the U.S. We have a representative democracy. To a large extent, that might be just because of, again, technological limitations. We don't have the ability to vote on every single thing that's happening. In this episode, these TV shows that sort of free themselves from those limitations, do you think we'd be better off if we were all just able to vote directly on every issue, including criminal trials? Well, it's not just that we lack the technology to vote on everything. We also lack the time and expertise to understand everything that's being voted on. That's why we have a representative government, so they can make themselves informed upon all of the issues that are up for debate, up for vote, and decide on our behalf. And again, it's not a great system. We have a lot of criticisms of it all the time. 
But if we were going to vote on all of the things that could be voted on, when would we do anything else? Well, we could do it in the amount of time that we spend browsing on Instagram, for one, which would be a substantial number of amendments and (laughs) court cases that we could vote on. But two, in terms of your point about expertise, to me, that's one of the scariest things about these social credit systems. There are not many people out there that care if they're experts or not on an issue. Everybody has their opinion. Global warming, flat earth theory, there's two right off the bat. They're willing to put their opinion out there and vote on those issues, whether they're experts or not. And that's a little bit scary. So we have to ask ourselves, what is less scary? That those people vote for representatives that act on their behalf with an air of expertise that gives them credibility or that they're directly voting And mob rule could essentially mean that we declare the earth is not round. So that distinction between public and expert, public and politician, public and business person, public and judge, for example, is a concept that the framers of our judicial system certainly thought about. The idea of the right to trial by peers, a jury of our peers, is a right that's afforded all of us by the U.S. Constitution, that right there is an indication at least that being an expert in something might not be as important as being part of the public that can identify and empathize with the person on trial. I take your point. And there's also criticism of the jury trial process because you're getting 12 people who are supposedly a jury of your peers But when do we get 12 people together who are significantly alike enough to actually be peers? We opened up the vote from the jury into all of society. Wouldn't that be more representative? Which is sort of an argument for this episode of Orville, where we have somebody on trial committing a public act and the entirety of the public is able to vote on it. And if a million of them downvote it, this guy gets punished. Again, the criticism I don't think is necessarily of the system. I think it's the categorization of what is good and bad within the system. Put yourself into that situation. You go into a place you've never been before. You don't know any of the historical significance of something and you accidentally inadvertently desecrate it. And suddenly you're the one on trial. I mean, look at your life. What are the things that would have gotten you down votes had you been up to public vote? I told you about the horses in Thailand. Yeah, you definitely would have been screwed on that one. Maybe we should leave that story for a a Patreon, (laughs) our our elite (laughs) five-star subscribers. Okay, so now we're going to be rating our listeners too. All right, well, let's let's turn that question around to you who hasn't committed a crime in Thailand. Um, What would you say if you had to pick an event that you were most fearful of being put on public trial for, what would it be? So I sincerely hope my parents aren't listening, which is always a great way to start a story. But when I went to France, I was a smoker at the time. And at the Arc de Triomphe, like my French accent. That's pretty good. Can I? All right. I've been giving you three stars in this episode and not to interrupt, but I'm just going to put this out there for our listeners. Kelly deserves a five star rating because she sent me a picture today of her streak on Duolingo which has reached, take a second, think about how many days you think that Kelly has practiced French, 1,000 days in a row. Five stars for Kelly. Thank you. And now continue your story about breaking laws in France. (laughs) Zero stars for me, because when I got there, you have to cross the street to get there. And I lit a cigarette and I got told off by a guard because I guess there's some sort of cultural significance of that monument in France, uh, which I definitely knew, but somehow thought it would also be smoking permitted because it was outdoors. Mm. Interesting. That's literally one of the things that is specifically mentioned in China's credit system, smoking in places where you're not supposed to be smoking. Well, now I'm not a smoker anymore and I haven't been for some time, but every time I see that monument in a photo, on Instagram, on TikTok, I think, oh man, that's very embarrassing for me. <laughs> well, luckily, the system hasn't been implemented in France yet. So far. But on, on the inverse of that, 
We would also get upvotes too for good behavior. Is there anything noteworthy you've done that you think would probably get you some favorable ratings? I've spent a good portion of my adult life so far in a educational capacity, working with students. And I'd like to think that I've had some pretty positive impacts on a lot of those students. And if they were to be rating me on potentially how much influence I've had on their life, that I would get some positive reviews for that, I hope. I think so. You've told me some stories of you working with kids and it seems like you do, you know, have a connection with them and seem to make a substantial impact on their lives. Don't ruin the facade I'm trying to create of the salty <laughs> contrarian on this show. <laughs> what about you? What would you, what would give you the most upvotes? I've been involved in a bunch of protests. <laughs> some people probably would not like the ideologies I protest on behalf of. But one thing I think I did that was pretty neat was during Occupy Portland, a former debate teammate of mine approached me about starting a little debate club in Occupy Portland in the actual camp so that we could help people articulate their advocacy a bit better and learn how to deal with challenges to their to their position. And I guess, you know, this podcast might be the ultimate extension of that evaluating argument making sure that people do a good job of it. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people on Wall Street probably would not upvote me for that. But I think a lot of people, the 99% perhaps, might think that was kind of cool. Yeah, the, the party might not be super thrilled about it. But I think that would get you some upvotes in the general public. And it's also just very cool to say that I was like at Occupy Portland. So we've got some less realistic examples, but even the less realistic examples we've talked about, Black Mirror, Orville maybe, definitely have their roots. And I think the origins of those concepts in things that are happening in the real world. We talked about the place where this is actually being implemented currently in China. What do you think the odds of these social credit systems being spread around the world in a maybe more pervasive fashion? throughout society in general. Is that realistic? Something you're worried about? Something you're hopeful for? Likely to happen? Not? I do think it is realistic. And there are a few things that have already happened that make me believe that it could potentially happen on a wider scale. One of the things is that we've already seen websites like Hot or Not or Face Smash that Mark Zuckerberg built before he started Facebook where people were rated on their appearance, whether or not they agreed to be rated. And that with the advent of even faster, better, more accessible internet becomes a greater possibility that people will be evaluated whether or not they consent to being evaluated. But we also have other systems that evaluate people. There are websites where women in particular can report dudes that they've had horrible dates with and not just like, oh, he like, forgot his wallet and I had to pay, but like that they were actually like offensive or borderline abusive to warn other women about them if they were to en encounter them on a dating app. And those are things that potentially could be good or could be bad. There's always a possibility that things like this could be fabricated or exaggerated. But I see that as indications that this is probably going to happen whether or not we want it to. I definitely agree that it's realistic. And if we stop and really examine the world we're living in right now, it's also pretty self-evident that this is happening in places other than China. We brought up Instagram and how that affects the real world, the way we look at each other, the way we value ourselves. Dating apps is a literal swipe left, swipe right, reject, accept. Business interactions, the more well-liked somebody is, the more likely they are to get a raise or promoted. School interactions, kids are probably the worst at this, having cliques, gangs, bullies, etc. So our society in general is already run in large part, in my opinion, by social credit systems that are just implicit. And I think that given humans' fascination with just judgment and the way that we've responded to all these areas of our society where we do have the capacity to rate each other and define our worth by those ratings, I can't see us as a species 
turning down a system that lets us do that even more intensely. I just think that it's too ingrained in us. I agree that the majority of people are already either explicitly or implicitly participating in these systems. You kind of have no choice but to work in this society. So how you are perceived at work is something that you don't really have a choice to have happen. People are going to evaluate you whether or not you want them to. But people still opt to engage in social media. People still opt to go on dating websites and and whatnot. So as long as we don't have anything formalized that mandates this, there is something about the degree of choice that people have to opt out partially or perhaps even fully. People can become their own boss and develop their own business and not have to worry about business impressions in a corporate setting. People can choose not to be on social media, though I have no idea what they do with their time if they're not. But they have a choice now. It's when we have an absence of choice that I would be worried. Speaking of social media and the ability to interact and judge each other, as a reminder, you can interact with us or judge us if you want on Twitter or Facebook at IndubitablyPod. And if you happen to come across Kelly's profile too, and she posts a witty comment or photo or meme, make sure she gets that five likes in her first hour so she doesn't have to delete it and spiral into existential crisis. So many good jokes lost to the delete button. You Philistines, you have no appreciation for art. <laughs> Do you at least screenshot them to, to save for posterity? No, I should. I, I, if I if I have any in the future that I plan to delete, I'll save them so you can post them on our Twitter and our Facebook. For our five-star listeners, the view. <laughs> exactly. If you're seeing it, that means you're five-star. <laughs> you're all five-star in my heart. Thank <laughs> you.